Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. hey Let's do this, Zarin. <laughs> I'm here. Are you ready? I am so ready. It is so hot in this room right now. Oh my God, it is. It's I'm, getting hot in her. I'm dripping. Uh, you know what's ridiculous? Elizabeth, I'm so glad you asked me this question because I do. Oh, good. Yes. In fact, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Monica Del Valle, she sent this to me. And mm-hmm. she was like, get Elizabeth with this. She didn't really oh, say that. She no. didn't say that at all. <laughs> she was very nice. Anyway, apparently over in Germany, there is this really odd legal fight going on. Like, very odd. Mm-hmm. There's this landlord who liked to sunbathe in the courtyard of his building. Mm-hmm. The only one problem is the landlord would sunbathe nude. So the building had tenants, right? And they're like, oh, we don't want to see all that. Like, all that. And uh, but it didn't just have resident tenants. It also had business occupant tenants as well, right? And <laughs> so so mixed use. Yeah, exactly. And one floor was rented out by a human resources company. So <laughs> that company apparently got tired of explaining the nude landlord to the people who came to the HR company. Because they're mm-hmm. like, what's your policy on this? <laughs> anyway, the company decides to withhold rent. So the landlord takes them to court. And get this, the court sides with the naked landlord. They're like, the German court ruled that the usability of the rented property was not impaired by the plaintiff stunning himself naked in the courtyard. Oh. So the court did side with the renters, though, on one thing, Elizabeth. Uh-huh. They decided that the rental could be lowered for three months due to there being noisy construction. So in Germany, nudity is deemed acceptable for doing business, but noisiness is vacant. <laughs> wow. I just can't. Okay. I would think that that definitely interferes with your... Uh... With your ability to conduct work. One would like think. Like a naked guy with his ding ding hanging Yeah, out. and just a, a lot of him showing off and he's <laughs> like really like taking up all the sun. Yeah. No, thank you. There's no sun for the rest of us, buddy. Uh, I'll tell you what else is ridiculous. Okay, please do. Conning your way into a life as a celebrity restaurateur. How do I do this? <laughs> This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. 
It's always 99% murder-free, Zarin, and 100% ridiculous. You damn right, Elizabeth. I got us another ridiculous criminal. All right, what do you got for An me? imposter. Ooh, I love those. Imposter. Before I begin, yes. what do you know about the Romanov family? The Rom- Like the Russians? Like sure. The, like the, the Tsar Peter yeah. Romanov? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it was the Russian royal family before the revolution, and the last Romanovs was Peter... Yeah, the, what, Nicholas. Nicholas. Nicholas II. And yeah, Nicholas, Nicholas II dies, the second. and then his daughter Anna Anastasia mm-hmm. becomes supposedly the last of the Romanovs. Well, Nicholas or Nikolai II, mm-hmm. uh, Alexandrovich Romanov, mm-hmm. was the last, like you said, last emperor of Russia. He was booted during the Russian Revolution in 1917. Bolsheviks were out, buddy. He, he abdicated for himself and his son. Yeah. And then he and his family were imprisoned in the Russian provisional government, uh, by the Russian provisional government, excuse me, not mm-hmm. in it, um, <laughs> and exiled to Siberia. Right. The Bolsheviks took power in the October Revolution, mm-hmm. and then the family was murdered. 17th of July, 1918. We want to step outside the cabin for a second? Let's have a quiet moment. Uh, What about Rasputin? Oh, Gregory. Yes, the unkillable one. An illiterate Siberian. Dude, that guy was, like, I, I, when I was a kid, I read all sorts of weird stuff, and I read a lot about Rasputin, and all the stuff about him not being able to be killed, that that's impressive, right? Mm-hmm. But the stuff about what he was doing before he got killed is way more oh, impressive. Yeah. The guy yeah. is insane. He comes out of nowhere, gets up to the being with the Tsarina, and is like, I can fix your hemophiliac boy. They're like, I got to have him. I don't care if but he, he got better. everybody. Yo, totally. <laughs> he did. And then he starts like sleeping his way through the court. She's like, I don't care, yeah. my boy. So he's, he's an, as you're talking about, he's an advisor to the Romanovs. Uh, yeah. uh, that's a good way of putting it, yeah. Um, when the end was near for the Romanovs, people panicked, mm-hmm. and a group of no Nobles were led by Prince Felix uh, Yusupov and Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich, uh, and then as well as right-wing politician Vladimir Purishkevich. Okay, I'll just take your word for that. Sure, me too. Um, <laughs> they decided that Rasputin's influence over the Tsarina was threatening the empire. Yeah. So they came up with a plan to kill him, mm-hmm. December 1916, and he was murdered. That's not our 1%. That's yeah. like just as a historical point. And they did it so many times, it would be like 2%. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the 30th of December, 1916, at the home of Felix Yusupov. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get those established because they'll come up later. So let me take you back now to 1890. Oh, please. Let's I thought I'd it. have to ask. Let's go. Uh, it was in that year that Herschel Gaguzin was born in Russian territory. Okay. The location would later become Poland and then after that, Lithuania. Hmm. So, but that's not important here. Who cares? I just want to lay some groundwork. I want to be thorough like you. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Lithuania was a huge force. And then all of a sudden, now it's all tiny. Now it's just but a little, old n- maps? little nublins. Huge. Uh, little Herschel. Yeah. His dad died when Herschel was very young. Okay. His father died trying to make peace between street fighters during a visit to Warsaw. Wow. That's, uh-huh. that's tough. That's tough stuff. So he was a peacekeeper who died from... Uh, well, it's like at the end of Stand By Me, where I'm going to spoil it for everyone, where oh, no. the uh, the kid grows up to get stabbed in a restaurant. Wait a minute. <laughs> I haven't seen... That was on my <laughs> list. To, that was like number three a... on my list. I should have stopped you. I know, I know. So anyway, uh, his mom, Herschel's mom's like, I can't handle this kid. Okay. He's a whole mess of trouble. Uh, so he's 10 years old. She's like, tells her cousin, Joseph Bloomberg, take Herschel with you to New York City. I heard that's where you're going. Hmm. Joseph's like, all right. Takes him with him. Okay. They get to the U.S. and Herschel he changed his name. Well, it was changed for him, as oh, was the habit. Okay, of the day. Ellis Island style. Yeah, they couldn't pronounce names out at Ellis Island, so they gave people monikers that were anglicized. Yeah. Close enough for government work, as I like to yeah. say. Yeah. What was his new name, Aaron? Oh, I don't know. It was Herschel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Harry. Yes, he went from Herschel Gaguzin to Harry Gergeson. 
Girl, who they added? <laughs> okay, whatever. Harry Gergeson sounds like a grim diagnosis. <laughs> totally. I hate to tell you this, Elizabeth. You have Harry Gergeson. Gergeson. I don't think it's a real name. I, I mean, there's Ferguson. Real... Yeah. No. And there's there's Gergich, like uh-huh. Gary slash Jerry from Parks and Rec, a show I've only heard about and have not watched twice in its entirety. No, no, of course not. I don't know if it's true that I'm half Leslie Nope and half April Ludgate. <laughs> I don't know who those people are. Who am I? Where am I? What is this? Can you be more than halves? <laughs> anyway, Gergeson. <laughs> So, but also, I like Gergeson as a name because then it's like, oh, I am the son of Gerger. <laughs> well, no, Gergu. Or Gergu, sorry. Gergu. Like, oh, it's Grogu. It's all <laughs> there it is. Together. You found it. Son of Grogu. Okay, so Gergeson. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure that it's an actual surname that exists, but I don't, sure. I don't care to know more. <laughs> Who knows? Harry hated his last name like we do. <laughs> One time, he punched a New York Times cinema critic for addressing him as Mr. Gergeson. <laughs> he called him by his name, so he hit him? Yeah. <laughs> So he came up with better names, a bunch of them. He had aliases like Arthur Wellesley, uh-huh. uh, Willoughby de Burke. Mm. Willie B? I don't know. <laughs> and Count Gladstone. These are all better names. He should be naming people at Ellis he Island. Should. They should. That's the job he should have had. While he was faking it on the name front, he also decided to play fast and loose with his history as well. Good for him. So he told people he went to Eton. Uh-huh. And when he also went to Harvard. And oh. he went to Heidelberg. Huh. He went to Oxford. That's a lot of schools. And Princeton. He's very smart. And Yale. He must be very educated. So many degrees. Uh, he liked Oxford the best, and that's what he used most of the time when he uh, was telling his stories. Oh, so he didn't say all of them. He just no, picked, no, no. Okay, he just whichever like... felt. I kind of like to uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, imply that he used them all at once. Back to his childhood. So okay. the Bloombergs, they settled in New York, and they got really sick of Harry. <laughs> I bet they did. They're like, get your Harry Gergeson out Go of back here. to Gurgu. <laughs> he was, Gurgu is like an imitation Star Wars. Like, <laughs> you go to like a dollar store, and there's a coloring book with like a little monster, and his name is Gurgu. And your aunt, who doesn't know anything about Star like, Wars, buys it for you. I heard you like the you. little baby Yoda yeah. here. And you're like, it's just oh, like the thing you like with the, not, gr- with the gro- the Grogons. Oh, Auntie, that's not baby Yoda. Just <laughs> be is, nice. What is this, Say Gurgu? thank you. Say thank you. <laughs> Gurgu. <laughs> no, it's like it's like you go into Party City and you get a costume that looks like Baby Yoda, but it's a Gurgu yeah, costume. Copyright, copyright. Yeah. exactly. You don't want to tangle with the the mouse house. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yes, they get sick of Harry Gurgu, mm-hmm. um, and he's over them too. I bet he is. It's like whatever. Don't sound fun either. He he just stands in the doorway and goes whatever. <laughs> uh, they sent him away to a Hebrew orphanage, okay. and then he ran away. Huh. And then they sent him off to five other places that he ran away from. He's just a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Good and, for him. you know, I like that. They put it in his permanent record, though. <laughs> so, the thing you're always worried about. Yes. And But the, here's the thing. He's got it in his permanent record that he's a big pile of trouble, uh-huh. the Gurgus. Uh-huh. Um, but he's also super likable. Yeah, charming he's fellow. He's just really engaging and charming. Except for family. If he liked someone, uh-huh. that's the thing. He doesn't like his, his yeah, you know, exactly. second cousin. Yeah. Um, if he likes someone, he could ingratiate himself to that person immediately. You can put it on for him. I like it. Okay. Oh, yeah. And he was like a really good mimic mm-hmm. and also a good storyteller. So you combine all those things. That's a con man. That's a con man. Society ladies um, would be doing charity work at orphanages, and they loved him so much. They're like, come with us. We're going to take a weekend to our country home. You we're come with. We're not going with. to adopt you, but come, what we're going to do. Come with, you little. We're, we're going to tease you with fun and good <laughs> exactly. times. It'll make me feel good for <laughs> yeah. the weekend. I'm going to use you, okay? I'm going to rent you out so I feel good. Just come with me. <laughs> rent a boy. Boy of Gurgu. <laughs> Gurgu boy. Uh, so one early benefactor said, he was one of the most convincing liars you ever met. Like, they're just <laughs> loving this. So, Gergeson, he spends years living as a runaway, a stowaway, uh-huh. a deportee. He got deported 10 times. <laughs> 
As a teenager? Yeah, he was a straight-up jailbird. And he also escaped from Ellis Island. Escape from Ellis Island. That's the knockoff escape from... New York. New York. Um, so he's a confidence man. He's a fraud. Uh-huh. A check bouncer, a thief. Okay. He would sleep rough in like barns, doorways, park benches. I bet. You know, he's just, it's him versus the world. Pretty much. Gurgu versus the world. <laughs> so he gets arrested and jailed four times uh-huh. on charges of fraud because he would buy like stuff at jewelers or tobacconists, bootmakers, British tailors. Um, he gets goods and services there. When the bill comes, he's like, um, I forgot to tell you. Russian nobles settle their accounts with tradespeople only once a year. So get back to me then. I'm only going to pay once pay out once a year. So is he hoping that they've never met another Russian? <laughs> so that's well, his Russian bet? nobles. Oh, okay. He's like, Russian I'm, noble. I'm, but, a, I'm a fancy one. But couldn't you ask any Russian, hey, is this true? Probably. I mean, I'm just saying. So they don't buy into it. They're like, no, no I don't God. care. Okay. This is this ain't Russia, pal. Pay up. So um, <laughs> Welcome to America. He referred to all his bad check charges and stints in correctional facilities in various cities and counties <laughs> and countries as being, quote, in residence. <laughs> well, I, I summered summer at Sing Sing. And then <laughs> exactly. I was in Joliet for... When he was in prison, he carried a walking stick during the exercise right. time. Um, not as a means of defense, but, but he wanted to look distinguished. In prison. I, I guess he couldn't get his hands on a monocle. Yeah. He, wanted, he, wanted, he thought they were the top hat yeah, and a monocle he's like, oh, and a cane. Hello, I am a fancy <laughs> Affecting a limp and an accent. Exactly. So when he was in his early 30s. You know what 30s, prisoners love is fancy men. Fancy they men. just love that. They go for exactly. that all the time. You always know, like, if I go to prison, first thing I'm doing. I'm looking for the fanciest guy. And I'm, I'm going to be pals with the fanciest yeah. guy there. Or I'm going to beat him up so people know I am the new fancy guy. <laughs> King of the Fancy Hill. So when he's in his early 30s, Zarin. Okay, Elizabeth. He got a job as a pants presser in Brooklyn. Just <laughs> like you. That sounds so weird. It's a job. <laughs> a pants presser in Brooklyn. Um, he's Gurgu the mimic, right? Yeah, of Son of Gurgu. Mm-hmm. Um, he listened carefully to like the fancy sorts that he encountered in this high-flying Brooklyn pants pressing scene. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he developed like a British upper class manner. Oh. So not only the accent, but just the, you know, the the wealthy yeah, and the, the expectations of aristocracy and, carry themselves mm-hmm, a certain the way. The whole nose in the air thing. A continental notion. Yes, yes. Uh, so March 20th, 1923, he turns up in Hillsborough, Illinois with an Oxford accent, <laughs> a sophisticated Malacca walking stick, okay. and at last, a monocle. There it is. Finally, you know. That'll play in Illinois. Yeah, it will. <laughs> so he'd stolen a man's military papers. Okay. And he used them to claim that he was a British lieutenant, or as they say, lieutenant. Yes, yes. Got to so get that right. the St. Louis papers, they announced a few days later that the city was entertaining royalty and ran photos of Son of Gurgu. <laughs> they were so desperate for news back yeah. in the day. We got and a fancy fo- lad here, guys. The photos get are the captioned. Camera. There's a caption on the photo, Prince Michael Romanoff. Oh. Oh, okay. There we go. There's a problem, though. The locals recognized him because he wasn't <laughs> new in town. He'd actually lived there before <laughs> as Harry Gergeson. The Gergs exposed as a fraud. <laughs> He's like, dart, dart. Darn it. So at one point during his struggles, American artist Rockwell Kent befriended him. Okay. And Rockwell uh, provided Gergeson with both lodging and employment. And Gergeson returned the favor by passing himself off as Rockwell Kent. <laughs> That's a deal. You, know. <laughs> you you let me stay with you. I'll go I'll be you. Be you. On another occasion, he stole military brushes from Paul Mellon of the Pittsburgh Melons. Wow. Like Mellon, Carnegie yeah, Mellon. Yeah, an insanely wealthy family. Yeah. They get their riches from banking and oil. They can afford some brushes. Sure. Well, the brushes, <laughs> they were gold-backed. Oh, my God. And monogrammed with the initials PM. And made out of elephant eyelashes. Yeah. <laughs> Gergeson said the initials stood for Prince Michael. 
(laughs) They're not Cyrillic. (laughs) Prince Michael. Uh, In 19... (laughs) Prince Mike. It's me. It's a very Russian name. It's me, Prince, Prince Mike. Mike. Hey. <laughs> in 1927, he turned up in Hollywood for a little bit. Good call. Of course. That's where all the good BS artists go. Yeah. Uh, There's worked... a magnet there that draws them. <laughs> he worked as a technical advisor uh, for a film about pre-revolution Russia. <laughs> Somewhere he'd only been from the ages of zero to ten. <laughs> so uh, the truth always comes out, though, when he was exposed as a fraud by a former Russian general. And also, well, he doesn't have a Russian accent. He's affecting. No. He's British now. He's British now because he says he went to Oxford. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. He wouldn't speak Russian while they're on the set because, uh-huh. you know, he was raised speaking Polish, not yeah, Russian. Yeah, he was in Lithuania. He didn't speak Russian. I bet not. I mean, Stoeto, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> so he's there. The, the Russian, you know, uh, general or whatever, he's like, you know, chatting him up. And he's just deer in the headlights. So Gergesen would also try and pass <laughs> try himself off. Trying to be like a stoic off. Russian, just sit there <laughs> exactly. and don't say a word. Exactly. <laughs> he tried to pass himself off as the son of Prince Felix Yusupov, the mm-hmm. man who killed Rasputin. So okay. he's like playing both sides of yeah. the fence. He's like, hey. Um, that's the cat I mentioned earlier. He was to be deported a number of times, as I told you. Uh-huh. The first time was on grounds of moral turpitude when it came <laughs> out uh, that he he told this story about having spent eight years in a German prison for killing a German baron in a duel at Heidelberg. Ah. Not true. No, but, but not. Um, obviously. Um, so he escaped and he disappeared from Ellis Island. And He's he, just telling people, I killed this German baron because, you know, I roll tough like exactly. that. Exactly. Like, okay. And they're like, well, that 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 lie, yeah. that's wrong. <laughs> that is if not you had good, actually sir. killed him, we'd be fine with that. But you <laughs> lied about it. Now we must deport you. So he escapes and he disappears. He claimed that he swam to New Jersey from Ellis Island. <laughs> okay. And then the legend was that he swam to New Jersey in a silk top hat. Wow. Right? I mean, this made everyone believe he was an accomplished swimmer, if you're going to do that swim. And a snazzy dresser. He was not. (laughs) He was a snazzy dresser, not a swimmer. So that lie was uncovered later in his life when he fell into a swimming pool and just sank. (laughs) So the immigration men who were supposed to be watching Gergeson said that he actually stowed away on a ferry boat. Okay. Um, After his escape from Ellis Island, he began going by Prince Obolensky. I'm waiting for him to go as, like, Prince Albert in a can. (laughs) Well, maybe. Uh, Newspapers ran interviews with him about the trials of a nobleman attempting to find employment. Oh, I bet they loved that. So hard. Luxurious weekend getaways Mm -hmm. came from the stories, but no jobs. However, at one point, a wealthy friend sent him to the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences at Harvard, where he enjoyed life as a representative of the university's chess team. (laughs) Put the monocle back on. (laughs) I'm serious. Fancy striped trousers and a silk hat. Okay. He's like the Monopoly man. He totally is. Swanning around Harvard Yard. Um, He ended up being expelled because they found out he was not an exchange student from Oxford. Mm, When did he start selling peanuts? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's right. The Monopoly man does not wear a monocle. Oh, yeah. There's your peanut peanut with the monocle. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Um, So, yeah, they're not, you're not on exchange from Oxford. You're just old. Harry Gergeson, uh, April 1932. He takes off for England on the White Star Liner Olympic. Hmm. He gets to Southampton, and he declares himself a super stowaway. (laughs) Hello, I don't know. Like he's stowaway extra? It's like a super senior. Like he gets money for doing it? I'm a super stowaway. I'm glad he he said it after he arrived. But you know who heard it and wasn't glad? Scotland Yard. Oh, yeah. Uh, They knew right away that he was trouble. He got wind of them, uh, you know. Like having his name? Getting, yeah. yeah. The flying squad following him? He got wind of him. them getting wind of him. Yeah, exactly. And so he you. ran off to Paris. 
Scotland Yard, they know how to get in touch with people. They, they're willing. So they called the Parisian police. Uh. Gergesen figured he'd head back to the States where municipalities are less likely to communicate with each other. So yes. he stows away again, this time on the liner Ile de France. He changed cabins nightly to avoid getting caught. Obviously, during that time, he reads up on Russian history because he's like, if I'm going to be a Romanov, I kind of need to know what <laughs> I happened. I got some time. I should probably know this Let stuff. me do some focus on the Russian royal family. <laughs> Following the revolution, the Russian aristocracy fell into chaos and disrepair. Mm-hmm. And so for him, that's an opportunity. Oh, yeah. I can be whoever. He and like 37,000 yeah, other Connors. Yeah, he, he, he can't get caught because they, they can't talk to any royal families. They're dispersed. They don't have official titles. The Russian revolution created more Russian nobility than I think <laughs> exactly. we could ever understand. So while he's crossing the Atlantic, he decides to become someone new, someone exciting. He says he's the nephew of the late Tsar Nicholas of Russia. Good call. Go to the top. Let's take a break. When we come back, you're going to find out just how that claim went for old Gurgu. Hello. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60 day money back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Harry Gergeson. <laughs> Prince Obolensky. And now, Prince Michael Romanov. Prince he, Mike. Yes, my dude. Yeah. No matter the name, the guy's an incredible character, ridiculous criminal. Yeah, 100%. The first class passengers ate up his story at being Prince Michael Romanoff, nephew to Tsar Nicholas II. Uh, he got a little loose with his bragging, though. 
Uh, he it, he was in the smoking room smoking it up. Mm-hmm. I like to imagine it either like a 90s sleazy hookah bar, <laughs> or like a vape shop, <laughs> or the inside of a van in the parking lot of a fish concert. Now we're talking. Yeah. So anyway, he's in the smoking room. Yeah. He tells all the swells and fat cats that he's friends with the captain. Someone, of course, later mentions this to the captain. On Cap- that boat. Yeah. Cap- Not a captain, that captain. <laughs> hey, Captain Ron, it's so cool you're pals with a missing Romanov. And the captain then sends a steward to investigate, like, who's this quote-unquote friend? Who's my friend? Gergeson gets caught and revealed as a stowaway. <laughs> Here's an aside, though. Later in his life, he had this influential friend, and that guy drafted a to-whom-it-may-concern letter for him to carry around any time he got on an overseas voyage. And the letter begged officials of all nations not to harass the, quote, prince, as he had he was not a stowaway, but rather a researcher of stowaways. Wait, what? The old, the old Pete Townsend defense. I was just about to say. <laughs> just about to say that one. Wow. So, Gergeson. So wait, somebody got someone to give him a letter that says, basically, oh, please don't interrupt him. He is studying this stuff. Yeah, he's and, researching it. And who was the person who gave him this letter? Does I that matter? No, like, it doesn't matter. How do I get one of these letters? I gave it to him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll write you one. So, Gergeson was taken back to an old haunt uh-huh. by the police when the ship docked in NYC, the Big Apple, the city never sleeps. <laughs> Ellis <laughs> Island. His favorite, yeah. yeah. So he asked for a new name, he should have. An order was passed to deport him back to France. Okay. We don't want him here. While detained... Wait, deport him back to France? He's yeah. not a French citizen? Uh-uh. Whatever. Just okay. kick him out. Whatever. Where was the last place you were? Yeah. You go back there. So <laughs> You are now stateless. He, he asked to, be, um, to have this monitored escort... Um, take him into New York to collect his effects. Okay. And on the way, he and his guard, James Drury, they stopped at a speakeasy. You, you know, know he's they're still probably thirsty. thirsty. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So while the guard is distracted at the speakeasy, he makes his escape. The escape was highly <laughs> publicized. Four people ended up being suspended over at Ellis Island, probably on, quote, paid leave. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. whatever. Uh, this, though, was the start of Gergeson's notoriety. A dozen agents were sent to search for him. They hit up every speakeasy in the Upper East Side. They had to check them all, some more than once, just to be sure. <laughs> I had to see the floor show. He may be in the floor show. <laughs> One day, uh, Gergeson was in Jim Moriarty's speakeasy off Fifth Avenue. And Moriarty got a tip that immigration police had arrived looking for Gergeson. So he tells Gergu, slip out through the kitchen. This is what Gergeson said back to him. A Romanoff can't escape through the kitchen. Moriarty... <laughs> Clever Irishman responds, your uncle the czar did. Oh, oh nay, hey, leave it to an Irishman. <laughs> so out through the kitchen he went. Uh, Gurgu, he roamed free in New York for days, but was eventually caught. Uh, he'd been hanging out at a speakeasy on East 58th Street. He was made there, but agents watched him as he went to an apartment building on East 68th. So he goes 10 blocks home. That's where they nab him. He was carrying a lot of money. And this made investigators pretty sure that he had accomplices assisting him mm-hmm. in his life as a fugitive. They wanted to find these friends so those people could be charged with conspiracy to aid a felon in escape. No luck. Couldn't find him. Ah, they got greedy. Yeah. So Gergeson, he goes free on bail, $2,500. There you go. And he appeared before vaudeville audiences while awaiting trial. He's like, like let me do a quick set. <laughs> let me do a quick five. I got yeah. all the time, guys. Just want to work some I stuff I don't have to out. be back to court till four. Exactly. <laughs> so the headlines of the day... Gergeson indicted on perjury charge, and he will halt vaudeville career to face accusation of false swearing at Ellis Island. Wow. Yeah. He pleads guilty to perjury and violation of the immigration law in January of 1933. Okay. At the time, federal judge John C. Knox was informed that the Department of Labor decided to forgive, though not forget, 
Gergeson's transgressions. The so, Department of Labor can do this? Apparently. I had no Let's idea. Gergeson, <laughs> he gets sentenced in April of the same year to 90 days in the Federal House of Detention, and he also had to promise, pinky swear, to stop using the name Prince Michael Romanoff. Okay. So, like, okay, this guy is not, I wouldn't hold him to any, any of his word. Exactly. He doesn't have, I mean, well, whatever. Well, so the sentence gets suspended. He doesn't even do the 90 days. <laughs> He's given three years probation. Mm-hmm. His attorney said of him, he has violated the law. He admits that, but there's nothing vicious about him, and he has an amazing number of friends. <laughs> he's well-liked. Look, he's popular. He's a, he's a good dancer. <laughs> he dresses well. <laughs> so he could have been sentenced to 55 years. Yeah. But no. But luckily he cooks well. So people yeah. are like, look, he has the best dinner parties. Here's, what can we do? Here's what the judge says. I do not see any reason for treating this case in a matter altogether different from others. I admit it is peculiar in many respects, but he had little cause, if indeed there can be a cause or justification for perjuring himself. So the judge is writing excuses yes. from too? Yes, he's likable. What can you do? I mean, I just can't help it. I just love this kid. You know, he's yeah, just hey, look at him. Hey. So magnetic. Uh, Knox, the judge, said that if Gergeson violated his probation at any point over the next three years in any way, quote, Sentence will be imposed to such an extent that it hurts. I'll make you come back here and smile more at me. <laughs> no, he's going to put the hurt on me. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe him. February 13th, 1934. Where okay. were you, Zarin? Uh, okay, 1934. I was in Zurich. Okay. Uh, that doesn't matter. Go on. United Artists. They're premiering their latest film, Catherine the Great, in Manhattan. Mm, Catherine the Great Catherine Manhattan the Great. was a great movie. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Catherine Regate takes Manhattan. (laughs) Sorry. So Monroe Greenfall, the Uh United Artists chief of publicity, he wanted to have a famous Romanoff. Why not? So he figured, I'll get the famous Romanoff imposter (laughs) at the premiere. He reaches out to Gergeson and invites him as an honored guest. He's like, look, I just need publicity. I don't need truth. Yeah, baby Gergu, though, he's like, I got conditions. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do it, but hold on. I'm going to need a white fur coat. I'm going to give you a list of what I'm going to need for this. Oh, One, good. a stunning blonde. That's a literal quote, a, <laughs> a stunning, stunning blonde. blonde. <laughs> Two, $150 spending money. Wow. And these little cash. Okay. Three, a Rolls Royce complete with a liveried footman and chauffeur. Four, the footman has to be dressed in a tan stovepipe hat, tan coat with gold buttons, a scarlet vest, and knee-high tan boots with buff tops. That's what we do it in fake Russia. They gave him everything. Oh, my They let him God. have it. Hollywood. So, at their premiere, he and his stunning blonde, they went to the Stork Club afterwards, sorry, mm-hmm. and El Morocco. They did it up. He toasted double health to his great, great, great Aunt Catherine. Okay. Uh, he spent all his money except $30, and that's what he used to tip the footman and the chauffeur. Hmm. So he took well, care of everybody. Good, good for him. When he was dropped off at home, he found the keyhole plugged up, and his apartment was inaccessible. Hmm. Baby Gurgu hadn't paid his rent. Oh, yeah. baby Gurgu. So he spent the night at what our researcher Andrea called his old winter palace, the safe, the subway. <laughs> Get it, Andrea. So for a short time, Gergeson assisted antique dealer H. Uh, Michelin with selling hand-painted gold masters. However, he ended up spending several months in jail after he was caught pocketing the money. Mm. So he's making the sales and it doesn't make it to the register. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy said later that nothing hurt him more in life than having to prosecute Gergeson. Why? Because this is what he says, quote, He is one of the most remarkable men alive. I believe his name will go down in history. Maybe mine will go down in history with him. What? This guy is magic, Zarin. Apparently, magic. dude. So, Gergeson, he gets a job as an assistant gardener at an estate on the Hudson River. He, he has elegant manners, Oxford accent, 
People are wondering, who is this gardener? I'm wondering. What's your backstory? So the laundry maid, she sees something on his silk undershirts, and she brings it to the mistress of the house. Uh, The women look at the embroidery and knew right away what it was, the Romanoff coat of arms. Oh, This man had his undershirts embroidered with the Romanoff coat of arms. And people recognize the Romanoff coat of arms. That's nuts to me. So... The the women the women see it. They're like, wait, he's Russian royalty right under our roof, mulching our roses. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so Gergeson, he's confronted by the lady of the house. And he admits, yes, I am actually a prince. Okay, you got me. You know, he's all humble about it. They can't have him working outside like a peasant. He's moved into the guest chambers and he stays there for months. Later, he gets exposed as a fake. But everyone was so charmed by him that no one cared. Absolutely no one cares. They just want the story. They're like, look, he makes me feel some kind of way. I'm good enough for that. He starts to leave and they beg him to stay. Please (sighs) stay. (sighs) When he did leave, you know, they're, they're absolutely just crushed. This is what it said in an article in Time. Quote, Mike Romanoff was the real tinsel, a phony who wore his phoniness with such transparent innocence that it turned away wrath. I'm so I'm just open so sh- about it. Sh- like, was he, and I forgive me for asking this, but was he like charming looking too? Did you see a picture of him? Who's to say? Because like, I'm wondering if he looks like, you know, like. Not really. Looks Let's like, be, I, I don't, I don't want to say it, but yeah, not really. Because like, you know, like, like Peter O'Toole can mm-hmm. get away with stuff that I think Robert Mitchum could not. Just well, based perhaps. on Robert Mitchum looks like a mug and you're like, yeah. oh. No, this guy, I, I can see it. Yeah, so I, was I wondering, can see do, where... do you think that helped? Yeah, he's not like intimidating, handsome fellow. Yeah, and yeah. probably not excessively like hairy and low-brow. So he's like, oh. oh. yeah, no, no. Okay. So 1936, he knew where he had to go. Uh-huh. Where he belonged. 1936, the Olympics, right? Hollywood. Oh, darn. <laughs> he should have tried the Olympics. Yeah, I was thinking. Represent Russia. Exactly, um, go in there. <laughs> so he passed through Hillsborough, Illinois on his way to Hollywood. Okay. Remember that place? That's where he tried to float the whole Prince Mike thing for the first time. So he's like catching like Route 66, maybe? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is that going to Illinois? It goes to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. So, um, yeah. So he's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're seeing him as a minor celebrity. They don't care that oh, yeah. he had They've... done this. Uh, he was given the honor of standing on a platform in front of the courthouse to give out cash prizes on their trade day. Wait, what? Yeah. So, so they have like a special, like, this is our field day and everyone yeah. gets out and has fun. Cash like, and prizes. Can we have go. this local celebrity stand on a box and give people like checks, checks and, and, Pretty and much. lollipops? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So while making his way west on this whirlwind This tour, is what people did before there was TV and the internet, Yes. Huh? Okay. Completely. He stopped to dine at Antoine's, a restaurant known as the best in New Orleans. Mm. Uh, he thought the meal was a disappointment, <laughs> but he still had a great time. He loved sharing stories over, you know, wine and food, living it up. He wanted to make this his living. He decided he was going to open a restaurant. Okay. Romanoff's. He envisioned his place would be the place to see and be seen in Hollywood. Wait a minute. He did it. He did it. Yeah. There's room. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is the story of Romanoff. This so, is amazing. He rented a room for $2.50 a week, and he shared that room with Prince Yuka Trubetskoy. I bet you can't say that three times No, fast. I can't even say it the right way for one time. <laughs> uh, this guy was actual Russian aristocracy. Okay, so he got himself a real Russian. Yes. And that guy would go on to marry Marsha Stranahan, the heiress to the champion spark plugs fortune. Not the champion spark plug fortune. <laughs> and Prince Yuka, his brother, Prince Igor, was a race car driver and would later become one of the many husbands of the Woolworth Five and Dime heiress, Barbara Hutton. Wow. A lot of heiresses, so a lot of spark plugs. He's in like the heiress and Circle. aristocracy. So he's good at tennis, that yeah. kind of stuff, I oh, guess. totally. Okay. He would later be roommates with the agent Pat uh, DeSico. Okay. Uh, who would become the first husband of the then 17-year-old heiress Gloria Vanderbilt. 
Whoa. Future mother of Anderson Cooper. See, I, I think I'm hanging on all the wrong you circles. Totally I don't are. know any heiresses anymore. Gergeson then lived with DeSico's cousin, Cubby Broccoli. What? Yes. Cubby would become what? famous and very, very rich by producing the James Bond movies. This is crazy. Yes. Barbara Broccoli's connected to this. Uh-huh. Yes. Gergeson. That's the daughter. <laughs> he referred to himself as a social barometer. <laughs> he bet. said only the phonies and upstarts couldn't afford to be seen with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a test for real. Yeah. He was he was able to cement his place among Hollywood celebrities. John McLean, okay. whose mother, Evelyn Walsh McLean, mm-hmm. who owned the Hope Diamond and showed up in our episode yes. about Gaston Means. Totally. Uh, he decided to host a ball as a means of repaying past hospitalities. The grand affair was orchestrated by Gergeson and took place at the Clover Club. Little about the Clover Club. Located at 8477 Sunset Boulevard, it was originally a palatial private home, Hmm. and it was raided in February 1930 for illegal gambling, and it was called the Sphinx Club then. Hmm. In March 1933, it was operating as Club Sokolev, and it was raided again, this time for liquor violations. In August of 1933, it was the Han Club. Nola Hmm. Han was another gambler associated with that address. Soon after, um, it, it was, you know, got the name the Clover Club. The place was raided all the time Apparently. in the 30s and 40s. It was like other upscale Hollywood nightclubs, you know, dining, dancing, paparazzi, occasional fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. The illegal gambling rooms were hidden. Only those in the know, including a lot of Hollywood elites, got access. There wasn't any stigma attached to the club, though. So society and Hollywood gossip columns at the time reported breathlessly on the events being held there, but it was repeatedly closed down for violations and then reopened until, you know, usually by a new mafia owner. Yeah, they didn't have like a Mickey Cohen paying everything off. No, so they, they would just pass like, it on like Detroit Mafia would yeah, own it and, and then, then they'd pass it to okay. another. Uh, this was the perfect place for such a party. Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart. Dope. Uh, they had two bands. Hoagie Carmichael played the piano. Heck yeah. The party lasted until dawn. Both dinner and breakfast were served. That's a that's, party. Yeah, that's a baller club when they got a good breakfast. Uh, Vanity Fair did this interview where Dominic Dunn was reminiscing with people about Oh, it. wow. Quote, Jimmy Stewart brought Rita Hayworth, said Janet D. Cordova. Jane Greer, Myrna Dell, and I saw Annabella break up with Ty Power that night, said Audrey Wilder. <laughs> Lila Lee came in with Howard Hughes, Janet D. Cordova said, and Lila and I were both wearing red, and Howard Hughes said, you can't both wear red dresses, and he called Howard Greer the designer, and Howard opened up his shop and sent over a blue dress for Lila. As my conversations with them ended, each woman said, I loved Mike. Wow. So he's just... He just fits in. His, well, his life in the glamorous, you know, Hollywood entertaining scene is just beginning. Oh. 1934. Okay. Gergeson starred alongside Bob Hope in the Broadway musical Say When. Wait, what? He's with Bob Hope uh-huh. in a Broadway musical? Also in 34, the New York Times ran a story that he was being charged with conspiracy regarding a divorce case. Okay. So Edward B. Gould hired Gergeson to drug and seduce his wife. What? Which would allow Gould to divorce her without having to pay alimony. Why did he think he was the one to drug and seduce? Why not? You know, okay, go to yeah. Mike. Mike's you know. the, Mike, you know, baby Gurgu is like your your man in the pocket. Exactly. Anytime you need him. Mike can't do it. <laughs> Mrs. Gould, she um, had been receiving $450 a month under a separation agreement, okay. which is an incredible amount that's of money. That's a lot, there. yeah. That's... This is what the New York Times said. Quote, Mrs. Gould charged that the defendants confederated with one calling himself Prince Michael Romanoff to place the plaintiff in a compromising position, which would create the impression that she had been guilty of misconduct so that her husband could divorce her and the $450 would be forfeited. 
the prince was hired, administered a drug or narcotic to the plaintiff, and then took her to an apartment where the alleged misconduct was simulated. So he's now a professional honey trap. Yes. Okay. Well, the divorce action gets dropped. Edward B. Gould gets sent to a sanitarium. Thank God. Yeah. Prince Mike, he's ready to move on. When we come back from this break, filled with very important ads that keep this show running free and fun, <laughs> I'll tell you what Gerg's next chapter held. Word. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Zarin. Elizabeth. 1939. I remember it well. Harry Gurgus. Yes. Opened a restaurant. Right on. <laughs> Actually, Prince Michael Dmitry Alexandrovich Obolensky Romanov opened a restaurant. That's not enough names. I know. Whose money did he use? <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, no, a bunch you of tell dumb the story. Hollywood I'm, people. I'm tired and I'm hot. Uh, you tell La- the story. Lana Turner and her husband, Johnny Stompanato. <laughs> close, close. This is, who, who did he get? Lawrence Rockefeller, uh-huh. Alfred Vanderbilt, uh-huh. Charlie Chaplin. What the heck? Cary Grant, Daryl Zanuck. What? Jack Warner. Zanuck, I'm surprised by. Cesar Romero and Jock Whitney. See, most Plus of, many more. Many, a lot many of them more. I'm not surprised by because they're rich and they like to like just be fooled, I think, mm-hmm. ultimately. But Zanuck, that guy, he was like cagey, you know? Yeah, like yeah. You don't get past Daryl Zanuck. No, and he had, but you know, they had big money names from both coasts. Ah, Doing wow. big, big money. Uh, Baby Gurgu opened Romanoff's in 1939 mm-hmm. at 326 North Rodeo Drive. This it is, is insane today, that this is the story of Romanovs. Yeah. Like, this is nuts. Today, Rome, you'll, you'll find out what it is. Okay, yeah. so today, the location is the Saint Laurent store. Okay, like East Saint Laurent? Mm-hmm. Okay. At the time, though, it was a luxurious palace dedicated to fine dining, convivial mm-hmm. conversation, and celebrities. Ah, the celebrities. Zarin, so many celebrities. I, I got to collect them all. I got I to gotta say it again. So many celebrities. <laughs> I can't. I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, Mr. Confucius yes. was the name of uh, Gergeson's bulldog. Mr. Confucius? Mr. Confucius. Not like Senor Confucius. But I know what I'm naming Confucius. my next dog. Seriously, I love that. Uh, Mr. Confucius was listed in the telephone book as the owner of Romanoff's. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's some criminal stuff. I he sold <laughs> shares in the restaurant for $50 a piece. Okay. And so a lot of people figured the restaurant would tank. Um, and those same people said that the framed business certificate presented as return for stock was a, quote, landmark in the art of dignified mooching. Wow. Yeah. So Whitney backed the restaurant because he had to move some cash around, yeah, diversify yeah. as well. Uh-huh. He found out that part of his seed money was being used to pay dividends to the stockholders. Oh. So he sold his stake back to Gergeson. So it was a Ponzi scheme. Yes. Okay. Opening night, the place was abuzz. Zarin. Yes. Close your eyes. Oh, my eyes are closed. I want you to picture it. Yes. You're Humphrey Bogart. Oh, God damn. <laughs> You're attending the opening night of Romanoff's, a new restaurant you've invested in. Yes, I love this. You walk past the lines of people waiting outside and head into the impressive dining room. The walls are mirrored and there are enormous candelabras smack dab in the middle of each table. Diners laugh and chatter as they sip champagne, down cocktails, nibble on imported sardines, green turtle soup, sweet bread a la king, and frog legs. A real continental menu. Tell me I love all of this. <laughs> you're, you're seated at table number one. Yes. Which would become your standing reservation. And every day in the future, you would go there for lunch and order two scotch and sodas, <laughs> an omelet, French toast, milk, coffee, and a brandy. I'm, I'm, I'm so hungry now just hearing my order. <laughs> here at the opening, one table over is Cary Grant. You glance at the menu and you see chicken souffle for $2.50. There's no way that that tightwad, Cary Grant, would pay $2.50 for dinner, you chuckle to yourself. That's right, sweetheart. (laughs) Your big break hasn't come yet, but you know it will. You've done 30 films so far, playing villains as a character actor. Mm -hmm. You made waves with Angels with Dirty Faces last year, and you know your star is on the rise. You look around the dining room. So many actors, actresses, musicians, various swells, just living it up. You look over at the small swing band playing in the corner. Those guys have it made, you think. They get to make something everyone enjoys and stay anonymous. Play it again, swing band. (laughs) (laughs) Your wife is tossing back French 75s and chatting with the woman next to her. The two of them break into cackling laughter. You see movement out of the corner of your eye, and you notice Prince Mike darting your way, the maitre d' in tow. Mm -mm. They rush by you and stop next to Cary Grant. In his loud, whispered English accent, the prince hisses at Grant. We don't have a cash register. (laughs) You then hear Grant and the prince go back and forth about the matter. You said you said everything was completely taken care of. Yes, but this is just one little thing. Why did I invest in this? If you don't know what you're doing, please, you have to help. We can't make change for the guests. Okay, fine. I'll send my butler to my house. And what help would that do? I'm going to have him bring back a big box of cash. And for some reason, I keep it at my house, a war chest, so to speak. Okay, that's great. I can get you anything else as long as I'm there. No, no, go run. Rather go to the place like you're supposed to. About a half an hour later, butler screeched up in Grant's chauffeur-driven car and came running in with boxes of cash. <laughs> All was well at Roma. <laughs> the restaurant was known for its signature dessert, or as like, I like to say, jersert. Jersert, yes. It's Strawberries the... Romanoff. Oh. It's said to have what been... What is that? He said he invented it. Okay. Prince Mike said, I invented Strawberries Romanoff. He invented a lot of things. I believe him. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people believed him, too. The real story was that it was uh, originally created in London by Auguste Escoffier. Mm. You know Auguste. You of follow course. him on Instagram. Oh, yeah. We're old school friends. All the same. The American version was popularized by Gergeson in the U.S. of A. via his restaurant. Is that where you put, like, you, you core a strawberry and you get some whipped cream, you put that in the, in the cord strawberry, and then you put them on your finger, and you go, look at my fingers. <laughs> Is that what that is? Just shove it in. Just shove it <laughs> just right, shove in right in there. Just shove it right in there. Just shove it. Like, look at my strawberry fingers. 
<laughs> Strawberries rose. Strawberry fingers. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Count them. <laughs> <laughs> and then you cut them into little jagged edges yeah, like fangs. Exactly. Yeah, that's is that, exactly what that is. I love that Yeah, dessert. you must have been to Romanoff. Yeah, I, yeah. I like a lot of desserts. It involved cream, and then you whip in some ice cream because that's not enough cream. <laughs> and then you serve it to someone with lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm. The uh, Gergeson, yes. what did he say? Quote, everyone has the idea that it's a good chef that makes a restaurant. I know of no greater fallacy. A restaurant <laughs> is only as good as its owner's personality. <laughs> He's talking about a con. He's mixed up <laughs> exactly. con and restaurant. I get it. Whatever. Carol Marcus Saroyan Mathau was a debutante who arrived in Hollywood. Yeah, that's an expensive name. Uh-huh. With fellow debutante pals, Una O'Neill and Gloria Vanderbilt. Una O'Neill, the one who would marry uh-huh. Charlie Chaplin. So this is what uh, Carol Marcus Saroyan Mathau said. Okay. Quote, Mike was the sweetest, nicest man who ever lived. Una and I were out here alone when we were about 16 or 17. He, we wanted to go to Ronoff's to see all the stars. We often went there for lunch. We never got a bill. Mike would say, you're two little babies. You can have anything you want here. He'd sit down with us and ask us where we were going. When we told him, he'd sometimes say, oh, no, don't go there. <laughs> or, you mustn't see so-and-so. He really cared. Yeah, sounds like it. Totally. Look. <laughs> Guys who want to hang out with 16 and 17-year-old girls and tell them what to do, that's called caring. Babies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know that famous photo of Sophia Loren and James Mansfield where Loren is like half-scowling uh-huh. at Mansfield's overflowing bosom? Yeah, her decolletage on full display. Taking it, Romanoffs. No! Yes! Wow. Believe me, in 1932, <laughs> MGM purchased the movie rights to Gergeson's life, and it never got made. I bet not. When I mean, they realized, like, we no. cannot fact check this. Well, it was due in part to the fact that his life violated the three unities of drama. Mm-hmm. Unity of action, unity of place, unity of time. There's no unity Yeah, there in is none. There's no, you're not he's, even unity of opposites. You yeah. can't even, because it's, you push and he just he's, moves. He's all over the place. They also couldn't make a decent comedic finish to the film. Because the Hayes Code, which prohibited profanity, suggestive nudity, violence, um, also deemed it necessary that transgressors are punished in the final reel. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You can get your comeuppance. That yeah. wasn't happening for old Prince Mike. Nope. Later, one of Gergeson's oldest friends, French screenwriter and director Harry DeRost, hmm. uh, he actually wrote an ending for the film about Prince Mike. <laughs> he had it where the prince turns up in Russia and is captured by Soviet soldiers. As he is led to the firing squad, he's told, if only you will say, I'm Harry Gergeson, you will go free and be welcomed as a comrade. (laughs) The the prince refuses with a scornful shake of his head and is executed. Kablammo. Seven times. Just like Rasputin. (laughs) There it is. Uh, He actually appeared in 18 movies between 1937 and 1967. What? Sometimes credited, sometimes not. Sometimes as, as himself, sometimes not. Uh, he officially became a U.S. citizen by order of Congress in 1958. Okay. With President, by order of Congress. Uh-huh. With President Dwight D. Eisenhower signing the bill for citizenship. Get out of town. I will not. Ike went for this? Yes. He's like, I like this guy. Everyone <laughs> likes Ike. I like him. <laughs> I like him. this guy. I like Mike. Well, by the late 50s, though, Romanoffs started to lose its luster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. The new generation of Hollywood celebrities were just over it. Brando did not want to go there. No. A lot of them weren't comfortable with uh, Gergeson's friendship with J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, yeah. A that, little that's bit. A, bit. A tough one in the 50s. They didn't like his sort of ultra-conservative stance that he had. He was handing out right-wing literature with his menus. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just like opening up and, whoa, hey, there's some hate speech. Yeah. Uh, 
More importantly to celebrities, though. Forget the, Please try the fish, forget the ethics of it. Um, the front and back room were like became a competition regarding seating. So a lot of times, if a patron was given a table in the back room, they would just leave. Everyone wanted to be in the front to be so seen. So they could be seen. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Gergeson, he mm-hmm. looks around. My restaurant's not doing well. Yeah. I'm going to open a second location. That's probably the answer. Yeah. So if you he, have one failing one, why not go for he two? Needed, he needed to get money to open Romanoff's two because he's not making it in Romanoff's one. <laughs> uh, so he sent a telegram to Alfred Ro- uh, Vanderbilt. I figured it was going to be Albert Einstein. I don't know. No, Alfred Vanderbilt. Oh, right. Need money. He's Vanderbilt's on vacation in Hawaii. Okay. Hawaii. Asking if he, he could borrow money. Hey, Alfred. Yeah. Hey, why I know you're, you're like there, on the beach. Yeah. Put down the pineapple down, for a second. <laughs> get to Western Hand Union. Hand me a coconut. And so this is what happens though. $25,000 was delivered the next morning with a note. I'm always pleased to serve my king. Yeah, I, Vanderbilt. Did you hear that sound? That was my brain bending and <laughs> being bruised. And, but the move. What? My, my king. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I've hesitated to say it before, but. <laughs> Can this guy do some trick with his tongue? <laughs> I mean, like, what is the deal here? Stop. No. Uh, he's just fantastic. Everyone wants to be around someone fantastic and interesting. I guess. But, I mean, I don't even think Rihanna could pull this off. Maybe. Maybe she is. Maybe that's how she got Fendi. I don't so, know. The, the move, though, the new restaurant, did not improve things. Um, in 1957, when you, Humphrey Bogart, passed that's right, away, sweetheart. Uh, things started to decline in the new Romanoff empire. See, Never fear, Frank Sinatra is here. <laughs> after Bogart died, after you die, old Blue Eyes started inviting Prince Mike to movie shoots and like jaunts all over the world. Yeah, yeah, because he the, the original rap pack was Humphrey Bogart's poker game, and then Frank Sinatra gets in as a young star, yes. and he basically then and he takes just over. Usurps. And then this makes and perfect takes sense. Prince Mike with him. He's like, I'm taking it all. I want your wacky the bad little sidekick. Con, the nicknames, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so how much for that, the Russian guy? Now that Gergeson wasn't at the restaurant, neither were his famous friends. So uh-huh. people stopped going. Of course. It was just looky-loos up in there. Gergeson, he starts spending more time in Palm Springs. Thanks, Frank. Well, that's the new move then. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he decided to open a third location. In Palm Springs. Romanoff's on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> the Desert Sun ran a piece in 1959 saying, quote, The little guy with the big smile and the big menu opened his rock-rimmed restaurant last night with the usual run of who's who on hand to make things festive. One-time film extra Mike Romanoff unveiled his Romanoff's on the rocks with no fanfare, no frills, just the unimpeachable decorum that has marked his restaurants here and in Beverly Hills. The little prince made a point of explaining that he had no immediate plans for entertainment in the huge and severe dining room and bar that overlooks the Palm Springs region. The words were scarcely out of his mouth before diners Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Housen were seated at the Romanoff's piano. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. What the hell? These are like, oh my God. I know. It's like a veritable who's who, yeah. as the Desert Sun said. <laughs> uh, he opened another place in San Francisco, yeah. but none of his restaurants were doing well. All of them closed in 1962. The original closed New Year's Eve 1962. I didn't know there was one in San Francisco. Yeah, oh. briefly. Yeah. Probably like five minutes. Yeah. Um, the restaurant did provide him with an opportunity to meet an actual Romanoff. Get out. Prince Alexander Romanoff said of the occasion, quote, I was taken to the restaurant and all the stars were there. I thought he was exceedingly ugly. We just said a few words to each other. My hostess said about me to him, Alexander is a real Romanoff. He replied, but I'm the only Mike Romanoff. <laughs> Gergeson, 
<laughs> passed away at Good Samaritan Hospital, September 2nd, 1971. Can you imagine the look on poor Alexander's face when that guy said that to him? He's Russian royalty he just, in Hollywood, and he's got this guy going, I am my throne, my mom. Probably just like rolled his eyes and sniffed. <laughs> now, Gergeson left no memoir, uh-huh. no based on a true story film, no documentary. He did, however, become immortalized on the page by a biography published in 1997 called Romanoff, Prince of Rogues, The Life and Time of a Hollywood Icon. Mm. There you go. What's your takeaway? Oh, man. I'm surprised that, like, like, okay, I'm not surprised that Humphrey Bogart was taken. He came from money, so he's just like all the other Vanderbilt. No, he wasn't as wealthy as them, but Mm -hmm. he was like, you know, mainline Philadelphia money, I think. Yeah. So he he could be conned like all of them. Hmm. But Cary Grant was in the circus because he was basically like an orphan on the streets of London. And notoriously stingy. And notoriously stingy and and cunning and all of that that comes with the life of of childhood poverty where he's not going to like take something for granted. He's not, I mean, he'll be generous, but he's not going to be a fool, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It surprises me that he got so in bed with him and did not sense Mm-mm. that something was hinky. I mean, that really surprised well, me. Well, I'm guessing he made money while he did. You I'm know? sure, it's but like... just that he even would want to spend so much time around somebody yeah. such an obvious faker when yeah. he, you know, he's like the guy who's known for like wanting to, to do acid early in, with his therapist because he was always after that truth. You know, mm-hmm. he was somebody mm-hmm. who was a seeker. So I'm surprised that a seeker, I'm not surprised Humphrey Bogart. I mean, I love Humphrey Bogart. You know yeah. this, but, you know, whatever. But like Cary Grant, I'm like, you got Archibald Leach? Damn, uh-huh. son, that's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Yep. What's yours, Elizabeth? You see how I did that? That's how that's done. <laughs> I was trying to clear <clears throat> No, I uh I'll tell you what my takeaway is though. I would give anything to have that kind of quality where people just like you no matter what. Hmm. I, I can tell you, it's a burden. I, I mean it's it's just you would hate it. <laughs> I know. Right? I, wanna, so... I wanna interview more. I interview you more about that. <laughs> I am so hot and tired in here, I can't speak. It is You're it is melting. like ninety degrees in this you studio. Are like just a puddle of gurgu. I'm total I'm I'm big gurgu right now. Uh that's it. Okay. I'm done. Whatever, I'm uh, out of here. You can find us online at ridiculouscrime.com. And uh, we have t-shirts if you're into that sort of thing. But I don't know if they're still on there. They're limited time only. Our merch is always limited time only. Uh, we're also at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. Email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Leave us a talk back on the iHeart app. Reach out, baby. Uh, tune in next time. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Czar Dave Kustin, Emperor of the Holy Flavortown Empire. Research is by Duchess Marissa Brown and Baroness Andrea Song Charpentier. The theme song is by Romanoff's house band, Thomas Lee and Travis Dutton. Executive producers are Sophia Loren and Jane Mansfield cosplayers, Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. 
Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.